Welcome back, everyone, for episode 29 of the Zero Analytics Podcast. In this episode, we try a few first. First time we recorded a video, which can be found on the Facebook Zero Analytics page, and the first time we had two guests on at once. We visit Fayetteville, Arkansas to visit two brothers that are chasing their dreams. Their karting journey began at a family reunion when the yearly competition was to build a cart and race it on the family's pasture. As many of our stories go, it only takes a few laps to get hooked. Like many of our listeners, the brothers made parts, worked side jobs, and hustles to provide themselves with the opportunity to race. Many people don't know the Zero and Zero Analytics represents an oval track. I'm always looking for different types of guests from all aspects of oval track racing. You don't have to be a big name or have won thousands of dollars. Sometimes the stories and the message are far bigger than the accomplishments to date. With that being said, I hope you enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with my friends, David and Bees Beasley. All right. Yeah, so I don't even know how to start this, like, with a recording and shit like that, man, in case someone's looking. But uh, I guess, so uh, today on the podcast, we're going to have, uh, we're going to do a, a plethora of firsts today. We're going to have the first time that we have two guests. So um, we have the Beasley brothers. We have David and we also have Bees. Um, if you guys are watching, they're going to wave. If not, uh, just uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. Um, which one? I know, David, you're the older one. And how much older are you? And uh both of you just kind of like introduce yourself and tell us, uh, people listening, just kind of like where you guys are from and uh, what you're currently kind of up to, just like a little briefly, I guess. All right. Um, I'm David. Uh, we're four years apart. Um, grew up in Central California, Fresno area. Got to do a little bit of kart racing. Um, did some stuff at like Tulare County Speedway. Uh, Got out of that, moved out here to Arkansas, got back into karting probably five, six years ago. Mm-hmm. Having a blast doing it. Uh, got to run a lot of different tracks, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Missouri, Mississippi. Been a ton of fun. Uh, yeah, I'm Bees. Um, Brian Beasley is the real name, but Bees is what I go by. Um, I'm 30 years old. We, uh, again, grew up in California. Moved out here to Arkansas to be able to start racing. We dabbled with uh, go-kart racing a little bit in uh, Central California up at Tulare County Fairgrounds, um, right next to the sprint car track. So that was really our first experience with dirt car racing. Uh, did a little bit of the go-kart racing and then, uh, again, moved out here to Arkansas. Was able to open up a custom car and truck shop, get started and uh, be able to help us financially to get started in racing. And then uh, got to the point where we started Started the go-kart racing, have now moved into micros, and eventually planning on uh, moving into either a modified or a late model or anything that really we can get into. I got you. Um, so, and just like, we kind of became friends on, uh, like, you know, just, I think you liked the Facebook page, and we talked a few times, and, um, you know, I kind of reached out on the Facebook page looking for people to be on here, and I think a lot of times, uh, you know, luckily, like, you reached out because I think sometimes people feel like they need to be, uh, in the southeast and running like a like a certain thing to be on the show and it's not man i just like interesting people and i uh, just kind of like trying to really spread spread the wealth the best i can and um you know kind of researching you guys and then b sent me uh like an autobiography and tell me kind of <laughs> like it was just it was so it was awesome though. actually i read it a few moments uh, a few minutes ago just kind of going over it i want to get back to that and especially how you guys got started like your family deal like that was 
it was like it's a cool story we'll get to but um so i definitely appreciate you guys reaching out and then once once we kind of already had stuff scheduled then i realized that um luke mcgee who's a past guest that you guys um kind of run with him a little bit here and there and um you guys are kind of intertwined a little bit. So I thought that was pretty cool, too. I mean, I thought, uh, you know, the only time I really talked to Luke was on the podcast, but he seemed like a genuine guy and uh, someone that's probably going to be dealing with motors, rather be in go-karting or whatever for a long time to come, you know? And um, yep. so it was, it was cool to do that. And uh, for anyone listening to the podcast and actually listening to it, I knew with you having Bradley Bush and Luke McGee, I knew there was at least a possibility. That <laughs> <coming>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Bradley was a cool guy, too, man. I, um. Yeah. Yeah. He sent me a couple of decals and stuff, and um, and I, you guys are gonna send me some too, I think. And I'm gonna get like eventually, I got some decals from everyone. I'm gonna try to put like together a little board and stuff for everyone that's kind of been on there, like for the background and stuff. So, um, so maybe I'm totally wrong about this, but uh, like I was kind of Facebook stalking you guys, and I'm looking through, and it, and I'm thinking that there was like a gun there that was maybe on one of your picture or one of your Facebook pages that was made out of. I don't know what it was made out of metal, I guess. Metal, just scrap metal, just metal yeah. laying around the shop. So is that something I like I thought that was just pretty cool, man. Like I, I was like, damn, these dudes like put this on whatever, you know what I mean? And um, but like stuff like that, is that something that you guys um just kind of mess around and play with to kind of like do or do you guys sell hey, stuff like that? Um, do fabricating building. Um we try to, you know, we try to get into it as much as possible. But what all that was is every year when we ran the shop, um, every year we did a Fourth of July kind of uh, kind of celebration where we car show. had a car show. Exactly, we try to get back to the community. You know, try to get back to them guys showing they get a spot to show off their cars. And we had right. a really big uh, fireworks show both years in a row. And our fireworks show at our little you know car show was just as big as the city put off for themselves. It was like a 13-minute show with a grand finale, and we had a buddy of ours who was a pyrotechnic, so. He was able to put in his two cents and, you know, get the whole show going, you know, shout out to those guys. Um, but that what that was was uh, just a trophy for uh, – we, we walked around to everyone, kind of talked to everybody that entered into the car show and let them pick who their favorite car was rather than letting, you know, just people wandering around, you know, write down on a piece of paper. We just walked around. We let the people that entered cars judge on everybody else's cars. Basically like a people's story. Most popular. Right. Yeah, I'm just kind of just threw that together, and uh, it, it turned out to be really cool, a lot cooler than I thought. And honestly, I wanted to build a lot more of them, but didn't have enough interest into uh, into it to continue to build them and try to sell them. I gotcha. Yeah, I mean stuff like that. I mean, I always find. Uh, I mean, I think the more we get into, um, I guess, like a technological society, man, like things that are just handmade, that are like handmade. To me, man, I just like I don't know. It could be a desk. It could be that the gun you did. I mean, it, it could be whatever, man. Just like. Handmade seems to be like a dying fad, and uh, it's nice right. to come across people that kind of do stuff like that. Um, right. So, who's the better driver out of both of you? That's a good argument. Anytime the argument comes up, if he brings it up, I just kinda, I just remind him on how many championships I got. But he's outran me on one of my good nights, on multiple of my good nights, and uh, I've outran him. So... I don't know, I kind of both in head. But, you know, the main thing was, as we were racing the carts together, I kept trying to push him to race more of the 400, the, the heavier class. And, you know, I kept... That way I, we'd stop competing against each other. Exactly. We could just both go win. Right. Right. I'm running the 300 and the 360 class, and I'm trying to get him to run more of the 400 stuff, you know, the heavier stuff. And 
give us a I chance guess. to not have to race against each other. Because again, I was doing his tires and he was, you know, he does all the, a lot of the motor work until we met McGee and all that. So, you know, it makes it tough whenever you're doing his tires and he goes out running. <laughs> yeah, I got you, man. I got you. Um, so I guess like, uh, let's get back to the beginning. So, um, well, the first thing I'll say is, first of all, like bees, you and I first talked about being on there. And then one of the first questions you were like, man, is there any way I can get my brother on here with me? And I, at first I was kind of like, I was hesitant, not because I was like, no, like, I just didn't know like if this would work or how this would work. So, I mean, and we did like a little test run a few weeks ago and it worked out good. So, um, I think, I think, um, and just talking to you guys the other day and just even now and just looking through your pictures and stuff, man, I know you guys are, are close. And uh, I think that's important, too, just before we even get started that, um, you know, like, you, you know, you guys came together and wanted to do this together. And uh, I think that's, you know, it's a lot about the family sport, too, and especially on the local level. So I, I thought that was kind of cool, man. So, um, you know, your podcast is about kart racing. And uh, yeah. I, when I go kart racing, I typically don't go in this. And he's at the track doing the same thing. So, right. We pretty much do everything together. We work together. We race together. We have a shop together. We've lived together for most of our lives. Like, we're just together. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm with you, man. My brother is six, uh, seven years younger than I am, I think. And um, we go racing together every once in a while, but that's about it, man. Like, so, that's right. good that you guys, uh, you know. But anyway, man, so let's get back to, you know, kind of speaking on the family aspect of it. Could one of you or both of you, um, I don't know how this is always going to work, how we like have both of you kind of like with the same stories and stuff. But when you first got started, I believe that it was kind of like a family reunion type deal. And every right. year you guys did a different sport or something so, like that. And So what happened was one <clears throat> the previous year before the go-karts happened, they did like push cart buggies where <laughs> the, the husbands would push the wives around this little uh, yard that we had out there and they had like different obstacles that they had to do at different stations and the next year they wanted to do an all out like go-kart race there was going to be the women's race was on saturday and the men's race was on sunday and they build their own go <clears throat> yeah they had to build their own go-karts stock five horse uh, flatheads on them and we did like full national anthems for them. Um, <laughs> it, it, we try, you know, we thought we were yeah. really ready. <laughs> and uh, so it started there, and then we got to we got to drive a couple times on actual. I think we it was a lot of Invader. Yeah, folded straight old. rail Invader chassis is what we got to run on for that and old twister chassis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the track was like a it was a brickyard uh, think of Indy, four corners, four straightaways except for the back long straightaway had a little bit of a kink in it and so it made for some interesting racing flat track, sandy sandy terrain well, we, had we, a point where, we had a point where we had 100 people show up just to go watch these races after we got it established a little bit and started doing it a little bit more most of it was homemade cars but we did have the few guys that had the had the nice production race style. chassis Mm-hmm. so so when um like roughly what year was this like to put this in perspective so <laughs> just roughly like 97 98 yeah okay maybe, yeah <laughs> i'd say so how, it was, I mean, earlier than that even maybe no at earliest i'd say maybe 96 like it yeah. was yeah yeah it was somewhere right there late 90s i gotcha, I gotcha. So after you guys got started with, um, so that was kind of like your introduction to 
to racing, I guess. To to go kart racing. To, okay. All drag racing before that. Everything. Oh, okay. Yeah, our family's big into the drag racing stuff. We've got an uncle that did some asphalt roundy round stuff at Madera Speedway. We can go and watch him race quite a bit. My dad was a crew chief. Have you guys ever drag raced before? Or? Yeah, uh, actually, uh, Mike Clements and Mike Clements, yeah, he's real big into mm-hmm. the karting scene. Uh, yeah, he built a lot of stuff uh, back in the day and whatnot. But back whenever I was younger, being that I was at the age I was and my size, I was one of the only that could fit in this junior dragster. So Mike Clements ended up sending a junior dragster to uh, one of our really good friends from the family, basically an uncle to us, Mike Slusher, sent it out there to him. And uh, basically a full sponsored ride. He provided the car, the motor and everything. And I think we were testing a clutch, a clutch system. We're testing some prototype uh, part for him. So we went out and the coolest part about this was, you know, how long ago this was, again, I was like 12 years old. We, where their shop was in, was in downtown Dinuba, California. So, I mean, but it's just like every other downtown you would see, you know, lots of lights, everything's real close together. Anyways, we, we were testing this junior dragster in the middle of the street at like 11, 12 o'clock <laughs> at night, you know, in the middle of the street doing burnouts real quick and getting me used to it and then getting back and figuring out what the car was going to do when it, when it launched. And uh, did, a, did all that, got prepared for it. We actually went out to the drag strip, which is for most of dragway, um, in Bakersfield, and uh, I ended up my very first race out there. Ended up taking out the points, the points champion, the points leader, and the points champion for the previous year. Took him out in round one, but ended up snapping the cam in half or snapped the crank in half on the right. top end. And uh, but it was by far the coolest thing. You know, 12 years old running nine seconds at you know 100 mile an hour, 90 you know 90 or 100 mile an hour in the eighth mile. And uh, you know going back and we. Back then, you know, the old cameras, whatever, going back and watching the old footage, the car actually shrunk the tires, you know, the old Briggs and Stratton 5 horse shrunk the tires and actually had tire shake, and we still ran a <clears> second <throat> pass at 100 mile an hour. That's awesome, man. Um, yeah, it was a really, really cool, really cool deal. Now, David, when he got, when he was going through that experience, were you also there? Um, so, my, uh, our uncle, Mike Slusher, he had his own engine business that he did. It was Psycho Power Race Engines. And so I was working with him. I would help him out with the car, put the engines together. And uh, I was basically just a crew member for him at that time. I've got okay. to do a little bit of drag racing. Uh, the family car, we have a 55 Chevy uh, 210 Post, runs 1015s in the quarter mile. Um, I got to go take it to like a Friday night test and tune and make three passes in at one time. I think uh, my best time, it pushed through the lights on the trans brake, and I ran a 1065 at, I think, 115, 120. Cool. Yeah, we're actually the town I grew up in is uh, Del Mar, Delaware, Del Mar, Maryland. Um, and we have the US 13 Car Club. It's uh, We have a big dirt track there. And then we also have, there's a drag strip. It's all at the same complex. And um I'll be honest, man. I can never get into uh, drag racing. It's um, I, when I was racing, I went to watch some of my friends do junior drags or stuff, and um, I don't know, man. I think, uh, and that's the reason I'm asking because I'm about to pose the question: is um, like even as a kid, what what did you prefer? Did you like the drag racing, or did you like um, kind of like the oval racing? Um, so while we were doing the drag racing, now the drag racing was really cool, but one thing we looked forward to was the March meets, and the March meets was these old school nostalgic cars would show up. Um, 74 old, and older. 
everything was 74 and old. You can't have anything newer. You know, you didn't get the, the newer Hondas and all them guys trying to do their thing. It was all just strictly old nostalgia cars. And a lot of it was top fuel stuff. So that was real exciting to see. But during the whole, while we were drag racing, I still kept IMCA modified posters up on my wall and always wanted to do that, but never, never really was introduced to it. And we knew a little bit about the sprint car racing just from Tulare County Fairgrounds being right next to the big track, the sprint car track. And as kids, we'd go over there and, you know, peek through the fence and get in trouble all the time watching those races. But it was the dirt track and racing in a circle was a lot more interesting to me than the drag racing. It was something that seemed more like we could do because we weren't, I mean, he got to drive the junior dragster that one time, but we weren't going to be able to both have junior dragsters. And junior dragsters are not fun to watch. Right. They're fun to drive. Right. Right, right, right. So the whole, we, our grandparents had go-karts, and we would always race around their properties and stuff like that. So we always kind of got to do a little bit of it, but never in a competitive manner. It was always just competing against each other or mm-hmm. our cousins, whoever happened to be around. You still kind of get the idea of racing side by side. And then once you, I mean, once you pass somebody on the outside, with their, whether it's a cushion or not, when you do that, <laughs> yeah. you want to do it again. I got you. you know I mean? So, so when you guys, um, so let's go back. So we're at the family reunion. When so after the family reunion, did you guys? Is that when you guys started to uh, move towards to uh, start moving towards racing go karts and stuff? Or yeah, that was. I mean, that's when our whole family, the big search happened, and right. like. Uh, my uncle started doing the small engine stuff, psycho power race engines. And we were, I like the name psych probably what every, I don't know if it was every week or like every, I think we had at least two uh, races a month and we'd end up with, you know, anywhere from 15 to 30 go-karts. And, but we'd end up with probably a hundred, 150 spectators for these things. And then eventually the word got out that we had a go-kart track. So then the guys that were, you know, doing the go-kart racing on a weekly, they had legit programs and <laughs> right, right. working on their setup and they had legit motors and motor builders and all that. They started showing up and kicking our ass. So we started, you know, trying to figure out what they were doing. And eventually it led us to, to Tulare County Car Club. And uh, our buddy down there, Daniel Beckwith, uh, shout out to him. He, he ran out there for a long time, and that's kind of who introduced us. He kind us. of brought us into the racing side, the competitive racing side of it. That's cool, man. So when you guys got into, like, when you were, like, starting to learn that, and you're, like, the big guys are coming here, and you're starting to get a little more competitive, we're so did you guys start traveling to other tracks then? And were you both racing at that time? or it just started wanna... out where... My dad actually injured himself at work, and uh, so he was unable to drive at the time. So I lucked out and got, being the oldest, got to replace him. And so got to do a lot of the races there at the home track. Then they Which got... Which like a modified class. Right? Yeah, it was kind of like an open Open modified style, yeah. Because open really didn't start quite. But it was like right, modified. it was... Yeah, right. There were, were modified stocks, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then... I got to start racing first. They got us. They got, I think, they got Brian to chassis next, and then they finally got me, my own chassis, because my dad was ready to start driving his. So at the time, it was my dad, me, and Brian getting to race for a while. And we go to Tulare County, uh, County Cart Club. Uh, we got to do a couple other. There was an invitational event deal. There were a couple of big, big, there was a big 
big car track that we did up at, we raced that plaza. Plaza Park, they did an exhibition deal there that we got to go do, um, ran a road course in Kerman, California. Uh, that was pretty cool. Hmm. Wore the hell out after that race. <laughs> and so you guys are racing, you're kind of getting into the competitive stuff, and uh, you're doing it with your dad and stuff. And um, so... Like there, you had a break there because I think your parents got divorced and you guys kind of stopped racing for a while. Right. And like what? What age were you then? And um, not to dig into your business, man. I hope that you guys are over right this, but um, because I, I, there's a lot of people that go through divorces and racing is is both the reason and an outlet. You know, kind of depending on the situation and uh, just kind of you know, people listening to this, they're they're there's going to be kids going through this and um. Definitely. So so like as I mean, you guys are racing. It's a big you know, it's a big part of your life, and then all of a sudden. You know, not only are your parents going through divorce, and I, not to get into that situation, but then, so you're losing, not really losing, but you're going through a lot. You know, you're losing something that's important to you outside of your family. You know, your family's right. not doing well. Uh, I mean, luckily, you guys probably had each other. Like, about what age were you guys? And, um, like, what are some of your thoughts kind of going through that? And uh, not to get too deep, just kind of curious for, for those that are listening, um, yeah. you know. See, and the main thing there that what, what I what, what I was thinking there is when we were that that young, we're four years apart. So mm -hmm. when that age difference going through school, we didn't get along necessarily. Did we really hang out much? And I see because he was out doing his own thing, and really for a long time he lived with my grandparents. After the divorce happened, he was living with my grandparents or uh, my aunt and uncle, and I lived with my mom and my little brother. We all lived with you know my mom, and we. And, we all lived in the same town, but we really didn't come into connection a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Well, it happened, I think it was right around when I was like 13 or so. Right? It was, I was getting ready to go into high school or right as I was so in high school. So between 9, 10 years old. So he was in middle school, junior high while I'm going through high school. So we didn't, we weren't around each other as much back then. And when we started mm -hmm. the go-kart racing, we started really good going every weekend. You know, at first it was a you know awesome thing. My mom got involved with the car club. She was a part of the whole a, a committee, I guess, you know, whatever mm -hmm. worked up the track. She didn't like it. She she didn't like watching it because it scared her. <laughs> you know, she yeah. didn't like that aspect of it. But when we did the go-kart racing there, really it was, he ran a full season pretty much or close to it. And I ran like the last two races of that season. And then we ran another full season after that. And then after that, it was no more racing. It was all, it was all just just taken away pretty much. Right. We we got to go, I mean, we still went drag racing. We knew people. We'd go to the March meets every year. We'd go hang out with some different people doing stuff like that. Uh, so, I mean, we got little tidbits of racing here and there. We got the family car. We started tinkering with it, getting it ready to go again. I think mm -hmm. uh, my grandpa drove it again for the last time shortly thereafter. Uh, so, I mean, it's we didn't completely lose everything, but we lost a car. Right, we, we, we lost, yeah. we lost the karting and uh, just had to find different ways to fill our time until we had the opportunity to be able to do it again. And again, we're growing up in Central California, so, you know, at the time we were the minority, you know, there was only so much to do right. available to us to be able to do, because again, where we were, dirt racing wasn't a huge thing. We, we really started learning more about that when we moved here to Arkansas. Right. Gotcha. Okay. And uh, hey, thank you both for sharing that. Um, I appreciate it. And I know, you know, just let people listening, you know, sometimes people just need to hear other people talk about it. You know what I mean? So, um, so I appreciate that. And 
so we have this gap now. So like you're, you know, you're really getting in. I can only imagine because I know at the same age and you know, I'm like, I'm eight up with go-kart racing, you know. So you're really getting into it and it's kind of gone. And you probably when it's gone, like you just wanted a little bit more, you know, and then um so when did it like when did racing really start to kind of enter back into your guys' life and um and kind of start the process of uh the journey where we are today? It was honestly really around the same time we developed RTN. Yeah, when we developed RTN, but so just going back just a little bit, when when we first started the go-kart racing, my second time ever at the track, I was able to win the race. And again, we had about, there's like, at the time, 12, 13 carts. Yeah, no, that was a pretty good and class. And part of that was, the coolest part about it was, it was the first time I got to see him, and it was the guy that I was racing, their, his brother, both of them were on the sideline, rooted me on, and the whole time I'm battling and having to beat and bang a little bit to get through it, and we finally got an extended race <laughs> finally got to get in there and got to you know got a win for it but um you know moving back to what we're what we're talking about earlier. yeah we uh in northern california um uh, they had a asphalt track in ukiah california and uh, we'd go we'd watch the races there and by my boss at the time ended up buying a uh, late model asphalt late model so we were helping him work on that car trying to get it ready he ended up never driving it but well, I mean, he brings it to our shop, but you know, it gets us all pumped up on racing. And yeah. All of a sudden, we're like, okay, we're gonna get, we're gonna get back involved in this again. So we have the car at our shop, and fully functional asphalt late model. And we went through, we just did a bunch of body work to it, fixed a bunch of things on it, uh, you know, got it back safe again, uh, you know, got his, uh, his, you know, all of his pedals readjusted, everything just adjusted back to where it's gonna work and be functional again. Where he can drive it. Where he can drive it, and then we get them all, get everything going, get them all comfortable, get out, trailer it to the track, get to the track, and before we can even unload the car, he made the decision, he wasn't driving. I think, you know, all it was is there was a car out on the track and it scared him, he decided, okay, he wasn't doing that no more, he's selling the car and getting out of it. And at the time, if we were able to afford it, we would have bought that car, and it had been a whole different story. Yeah. But we shopped and shopped and shopped for Legends. Because they were running Legends at the time there as well with the late models and the what they called bombers, I guess. And so we shopped and shopped and shopped. And it was just, you know, a little bit out of the price range at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, once we made the move out of California, it made it a little easier to uh, to get involved in the car racing and stuff there's a little bit more available stuff is a little bit more local. we got started like total investment in the very very beginning i think we had maybe twenty five hundred dollars in two carts that were capable of going out on the racetrack right. we drove we made a 24 26 hour round trip we went to bristol tennessee <laughs> and bought four go-karts and uh two of them were pretty complete i think there was one engine on them and the other two were pretty much just like bare chassis and uh, that's what got us going again. We completely went through, redid the cards, made them look the way that we wanted to, freshened them up, and uh, went and ran the local track here in Huntsville. Just a little, it was a paper clip. Super, super fun, but uh, challenging track. It, it took a little bit. You had, you had to figure it out before you could do anything there. Everything we can do to get back into racing after that dude brought that car to us. Yeah, we were hooked at that point. It was available, a little bit more available at that time. And we were going to the track every night at that point. And it was anything we can do to start getting into it. And at that point, it was if it was asphalt, that's what we were going to do. Yeah. If it was dirt right. racing, that's what we Whatever were going to do. Whatever was available, we needed we to go right. and get, get into a car and get behind the wheel again. So, 
at this time, are you guys still in California? Or are you in Arkansas? This is in Ukiah, California. This is from, okay. uh, so this is yeah. from okay. where we grew up, where we first grew up and everything started was in the Fresno area, Fresno, California. And now mm -hmm. this is about five hours uh, north, uh, just past Sacramento, about two hours past Sacramento and San Francisco and past that area up in Ukiah, California, of uh, what they would call the Emerald Triangle um, up there right next to Humboldt County. Uh, if anybody knows <laughs> anything about that, that's, that's where we were. <laughs> yes, sir. Um all right, so you guys, so you're in California, and um, how how did you choose Arkansas? Uh, so how did you? We've got a couple family members that moved out here back in '04. Mm -hmm. uh, some cousins that I went to school with, my aunt and uncle, they all came out, and they're actually a little further southeast from us. They're down in Heber Springs area. Uh, they came out here. I've always kind of wanted to get somewhere different. Had an uncle that always talked about Arkansas. Uncle Darrell used to preach about Arkansas and how <laughs> awesome it was out here and how we could have better lives and do something better. And so I always wanted to follow that and do go this way. And uh, our stepdad and mom started a trucking company. They He had already been out in the area, so he kind of knew what was going on out here. He knew this is kind of where he wanted to set up home base. And uh, I got the chance to come out here, kind of check it all out, hang out for a week, kind of see the house, the area, and figured this is where I wanted to come out, try something different. And uh, they bought a big enough place that we could, they offered us a place to stay so we could get on our own feet. And the rest is history, really. It's, we're here, we're not going back. And, <laughs> and I mean, Arkansas was honestly the best choice that I've made ever really i mean now i got a daughter and i mean i brought my girlfriend from california here she's actually the one who talked me into moving here to arkansas i was still i was still on the fence because again we were in ukiah california emerald triangle right in the middle <laughs> of it so it was a little hard to walk up and you know leave out of there but arkansas was probably by far the best choice i've ever made you know come out here and it's it's a lot you know it, i got a much better life out here now <laughs> that's how old is your daughter and um my daughter is now I, six years old. She'll turn uh, seven this year. Seven years old, man. Phew, yeah. I have two little boys, but uh, nah, I was uh, as I was looking through, I saw a picture of her, man. A beautiful little girl, man. And, I really um, appreciate and, it, yeah, man. Yeah, definitely. I, I really want to put her in a go-kart, but I want her to be the one that says, hey, Dad, where's my go-kart? I'm ready to go. I'm, you know, I'm ready to do this. But until then, right now, but it's, it's absolutely cool, man. She, uh, she runs the impact. She can pull all the tires off the cart. She she can wash the tires. Uh, she gets pissed off if she's not able to. Like if we're in a hurry, I gotta mm -hmm. get in there and I gotta get it done. <laughs> but uh, she she is more than willing and able. She'll pull the tires off. She'll clean them. She'll put them back on. Obviously, I go back and check the lug nuts. Right. And we have it in <clears> just in case. She's totally on board. She wants to be a part of it 100. percent She's a. Uh, she actually. She gets pissed off when we don't go to the races. You know, when we're not able to. And she actually had a deal one day where it was raining and we couldn't go to the racetrack. And she was mumbling the, you know, rain the rain rain song. And it turned into <laughs> okay, just don't come back on race day. You know, and I was pretty impressed with it. And I was like, yeah, all right, cool, that's, that's all right, cool. That's that's funny, man. My uh. My younger brother, he has his daughter too. Is um, she's into that stuff. I mean, she's into dance and stuff too. But yeah, she's um, she's right there too, like kind of doing it and stuff. So that's cool. And uh, and David, you have you have kids too, right? Nope. No, no kids, man. I got <laughs> Hey, man. 
just as expensive. <laughs> and it's completely yeah. the opposite. You know, as growing up, everyone everyone didn't think that I would be the one that settled down, have a wife, kid, da 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 da. da. They figured he would be that one, but I kind of we kind of flipped <laughs> off on that. Yeah, he might be the smarter one, man. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll I don't know, man. I mean, yeah, he, he does get to see Bristol pretty much every day, so I guess it's almost like having a kid. So yeah, he gets to experience the fact that, but he doesn't have to deal with the, you know, late night bullshit and the crying and. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's all right. I mean, he looks he looks a little scarier than you. He can probably be the uncle. <laughs> he, he can be the uncle sitting on the front porch for that first date. You know what I mean? Like a. <laughs> so um. You guys still there? Oh, what happened? All right, <clears throat> so we're back here, back here. <laughs> Technical difficulties, but um, at least it's not weather. I mean, it could be weather. It's, yeah, weather. true. I mean, there's nothing we can do about that. But yeah. um, so let's uh, so we kind of ended off on uh, we were talking about Uncle David sitting on the front porch for the big wrench for your daughter whenever that whenever that time may come. You know, definitely with a beard. Don't shave that. Absolutely <laughs> pissed off if you shave that big scary beard too. So yeah. <laughs> um, so we were like, you know, something I want to kind of jump back to. We were just kind of talking off camera for a second. Um, but um, like even when you guys were brought, I mean, you guys kind of follow the same pathway through go-karts and even into micros where you are now as far as kind of just like really diving into it and just like immersing yourself into it and just trying to understand the why, not just the what, and really getting into it. Like, so how did you do that when, so when David's boss brought that, the asphalt late model and um i mean you guys have a background in cars and stuff like that but it was the, the asphalt late model stuff was kind of totally new to you guys and you just kind of jumped in how did you even begin to to tackle that like what like what kind of like what was the process you went through of even understanding like where to start and what to do and kind of what what to look over and stuff like that main thing was to start with what we knew and then what we knew was the body wasn't right uh, regardless of aerodynamics, that was where we started, was get the body right, and then we started working in to the mechanics of the car. I mean, overall, it's a car, so you've got your electrical components, you got to make sure you can run through the wiring, switches work, what turns on, supposed to come on, make sure the engine cranks, fires, goes into all the gears. You make know, sure everything's safe, everything's bolted together, make sure they you know, break Right, so I mean, the majority of the car is just general automotive type stuff. And then, so, honestly, getting on the getting on the internet, using the internet to our quote, you know, using it to as much as we can, talking to people, getting on the phone, uh, talking to uncles that used to do the same thing as far as asphalt racing, and right. gaining as much knowledge as we can to, uh, you know, put it forth, get it in the car, and then you know, get it out there and see what it what it'll do, and then learn from there. Okay, so when you really got into the go kart stuff, how did you really kind of start to tackle that? Because you don't have the same components that you were kind of used to, um, yeah. kind of like with the cars, like everything you just explained is really not go kart related, so to speak. I mean, some of it is, but you know what I'm saying. Like, how did you kind of start to tackle that? The go karts, uh, being that we were doing it when we were kids, I had to do a lot of the uh, the work across. Brian was still young enough; he was still trying to learn a lot of the different things, and 
so I already had a little bit of knowledge on different adjustments that could be made on the front ends. Well, when we they, started when we were younger, we didn't have the adjustments on the front end. Really. Well, my we twister did. It had it, it was had a pill. Pill. camera. It well, was I mean, a pill. pill, but it's not what we have right. now as far as the. But the ideas were there. So. Ideas were there. Yeah. So when we went to Bristol and picked up all those cars, we were fortunate enough to get a little bit older cars. He got a 2004 uh, Phenom, Phenom Phantom, and I got the Titan, the 2004 Titan, and then. They're both fully adjustable on the front end. So that was still new to us, and we still had to figure that out. But the only way we knew how to do learn about it is to fully, completely tear them apart. So first thing we did was completely tear them apart, down to bare nothing, strip them down of uh, strip them of the paint. Uh, you, know, you know, of course, anyone's going to repaint them, you know, <laughs> make them look good. So paint them back up and uh, learn about them. Learn, learn what it is about, what adjustment do we have? Uh, what can we do and what we learned from back in the day and apply it to what we know then again, plus, we didn't know anything about the overhead valve stuff, but you know, plus we jumped on the internet and I was in forums like crazy looking at what you were trying to get out of the go-kart, what you wanted to expect from it. Uh, there's a couple different books. Uh, we've got a couple of them that talk about the setups on the chassis and then the tire, uh, different things that you want to do to the tires. And I'll be well, oddly enough, you know, when we were first doing our research on, you know, what to do with the cars, tire prep ne never really came about. Yeah, we, we didn't know anything about tire prep. We, we refused were, it. We were making fun of the people that were doing it at the track because, again, <laughs> we wiped them out to go fast. Like, we spent all this time doing the setup on the car, getting mechanical grip out of it, and these fuckers are just wiping grip <laughs> on the just going out there and like, you know, what the hell? So we're yeah. making fun of that, and then uh, – Eventually, we that obviously that's the way to go. Like uh, we're wasting our time trying to pull mechanical grip out of it because uh, it's only built in so much. And then then you start learning about people. Oh, you got a 2004. It's definitely flexed out, you know. But the short track around here, it it didn't matter. We we got them fast eventually. We had a we had a pretty big parking lot out in front of our shop. Even though it was a big concrete lot, we'd go out there. We had old tires. Old tires. And uh, we'd go out there and just make laps and just try to see what it was going to do and if it felt like it was going to do anything at all. And uh, it was one night we went out there. We were turning we had shock appearings on at the time. We were turning them 8, 85. I think we turned 11 o'clock at night, 15, 20 laps, just a bunch of steel buildings around. So it's just thundering out of this area. It's really it sounded really cool. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, being, you know, we're racing on dirt, yes, but. Again, with them putting prep on the tires and us putting all the mechanical grip in it, we can. We're driving it like it's asphalt. So in our minds, getting the car to turn on concrete the way we want it to should get us in the ballpark. I, I think that's a pretty big point, man. Because I, back in the day, like when uh, I know you guys might not know who Hammer is, but he used to travel with Moon and and stuff like that. But um, that's who I learned tires from. And some of the high level guys down around the Jasper area, down in Jasper, Florida there i think there still is i mean there's an asphalt track right next to the dirt track so what they would do is take the maxi tires not prepped up but they would go out there on like a new chassis and they would in their mind just like you said and, and i follow the same theory that you want to balance go-kart and you adjust the grip with the tires all right or tire prep however you want to kind right, of like right. do that but they would go out there and on a new chassis they would go out there with maxi tires once they got it to where the go-kart was you know, neutral in the center of the corner where they could drive up off, like that's where they left the go kart, and then they went back to just running dirt with that setup. You know what I mean? And um, so yeah, I mean, so you guys are ahead of your time. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, uh, 
No, we but I mean, it's just, yeah. So, but it makes sense. Like you guys had to realize too that it is kind of like the grip is there in the with the tire. So you just have to have the go kart that can pivot in the center. You know, the best you can. I mean, there there are circumstances, but um. So anyway, sorry, that's kind of long winded. Just for people listening, I was kind of wanted to touch base on that. So um, so that was a good point. And so from there, were you guys going? Um, I mean, when the go karts, when you guys are starting to get going on in Arkansas and stuff like that, you're running dirt racing. Um, how? Uh, just kind of like take me through the first couple of years of kind of doing that down there, and and what classes were you guys running? Like, what kind of motors were you guys running? Also, it seems like down there, after talking to um. A couple of the past guests, like it's a little more of like um, kind of like the outlaw or the open type deal. Right. There's uh, we started out in stock appearing, uh, ran that for a couple of years. Then we got into the tire prep, moved into. Well, the, I mean, the tire prep, but after we met dude and, and he introduced us to the tire prep, he was honestly the one who was trying to get us to move to different tracks. Uh, introducing us to all the different stuff and the dude wasn't very well liked around the area and it kind of put kind of bad you know juju on us but <laughs> he, he we learned we learned a lot from him he taught us a lot and he's the one who kind of spread us out a little bit and got it to the points where we started traveling you know both really pretty further. much an hour each way into into oklahoma into the muskogee area uh up mm-hmm. in the farther into arkansas an hour up the road and then up into missouri uh, about an hour, you know. At one point, us. we had what eight, nine tracks within an hour and a half drive. Yeah, we, yeah. and we were trying. We, and the way we were doing it, we were after we started learning the prep and getting competitive, actually winning races because we were prepping tires and actually figured that shit out. Um, we, you know, running the stock appearing stuff. We we learned that running multiple tracks was going to be beneficial to us in the long in the long run because just getting good at one track again, you learn that one setup. That one, one tire lane. prep regiment, that one lane, you learn everything there. And, you know, a lot of people like to boast about being the best at that track all the time. But I, I'm more impressed with the guy that can go anywhere and at least run top three and win some races anywhere he goes. Right. Um, so the first couple of years after we learned about the prep and whatnot, that's all it was about. And it was mainly the stock appearing stuff. But the guy that introduced us into the prep, Got us into he the was clone. in the clone stuff and started pushing the clones onto us. Uh you know, majorly to the point where he was basically forced us to go get a motor. Brought brought me to a dude's house and was like, "Hey, we're getting this motor and that motor, and you're gonna pay this guy." You know, and uh, we so, had, we went and uh, our first clone race was at the barn, wasn't it? Is uh, either at the barn, Twister, most likely the barn. I think it was at the barn. It was indoor. We went indoor clone racing for the first Carthage, time Missouri. in Carthage, Missouri. Yeah, in Carthage, Missouri. I uh, it's basically like an indoor Bristol. Mm-hmm. It's high bank. It's straight away from bank. Yeah, eight and a half second lap times. Really, really fast, really high fast grip. track. It's got banking straightaways and in the corner. We ended up out of the six races that we ran there between the two of us, we had two wins apiece, so four wins. Um, that was a lot of fun going over there. We actually were running a points, running for points championship up there, battling with uh, Mitch Keeter, who is now a, he's a big time uh, modified guy up in the area, and. Um, Fought with him for a long time for a point series until, you know, political racetrack, typical, you know, dirt racetrack stuff happened and uh, ended up out of there. But again, yeah, we got there in Missouri. We had a track up here in uh, Van Buren, Arkansas, uh, America Motor Speedway, which was a lot of fun. It's closed down and uh, two, the guy wide, who, two wide racing, two wide racing. It was a, it was a 
black gumbo. So, you know, it was, you know, definitely when you took the green flag, it was full throttle all around. It was a pretty deep, you know, pretty big track. You, you know, you weren't letting off very often. And, um, you know, rest in peace to the, to Richard up there who started that track and, uh, you know, with all that, but we went up to Cootie Creek, which is up in Muskogee, Arkansas again. We traveled as much as possible, mainly running the, the clone stuff after we met and figured out the, the prep stuff. Had a lot of success uh, pretty much in every track we went to. We definitely have a win in every single track we ran at. Um, top threes, you know, a lot up there anywhere we went. You've got a couple yeah. tracks that I don't have, and I've got a couple tracks you don't have. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah I mean, when we did first start doing the clone stuff, it was all worn out, used stuff. But again, it was... I had no idea how races were on it, so... You know, then... So, <laughs> Having having the clones, then we had to start figuring out what was making those these clones different than the other guys. How are these guys that much faster? Da da da. And then then you start learning about more prep and uh, you know your basic setups for your phantoms and your chargers and all that stuff. <clears throat> Basically, we do everything we can to learn what we can about setup. We're gonna talk to everybody, and listen to everybody. Right. Take a little bit of everything and kind of put it all together and figure out what works for us. When you guys, so a lot of the pictures I was looking at. I saw a lot of Hoosier tires. Like, is that gen? I mean, and maybe those are older pictures. I'm not exactly sure, man. But what, like, do you guys generally run um, Hoosiers out there? Or or is it an open tire rule? Like, how, how does it work out there? And we are, are? We're budget racers. We don't, we don't have a whole lot of money to spend on this stuff. So when we decided to get more competitive, real competitive, we traveled up to Mississippi and we're doing the Mississippi Kart Series. For a while, they did the Mississippi uh, Maxis Kart Series, and then it turned into the Mississippi Hoosier Kart Series. Yeah. And what they were running was the Hoosier um, FK, and it was supposed to be Hoosier's answer to Maxis. It was a half rubber and half half real rubber and half synthetic rubber, so half Maxis and half Hoosier essentially. And they made the Hoosier K, and that was their series tire. And they required you to have, uh, or they didn't require to have three, but you were able to have three, up to, up to three sets, and they were scanned before each race, and da 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 da. So we had a bunch. Of, you know, we ran one half season, and you know, we tried to run as much as we can. So we ended up with like six or seven sets of these things. So when we brought back local, we did everything we can to run those Hoosiers uh, and to learn about them because they were different. So we knew that if we wanted to be fast and run up front with these guys, we had to try something different. So we had them, so that's what we went with. Learned a lot about them. Um, and actually, we had one point where we ran the indoor race up at Lebanon, yep. uh, the I-44 winter shootout or whatever. And this is the first time we got to run against the little, little high-end guys. You know, Adam Johnson was running. Sam Johnson was up there. Uh, Cole Ward, he ran up there. A couple other guys were running up there. And uh, me and David were the only ones in the building with these oh, Hoosier exactly. FKs. The only one in the building. I'm sure the only one in the building with Hoosiers, period. But definitely the only one in the building with Hoosier FKs. And uh, we both walked out with $500 on Saturday. He won the 400, and I won the Clone Light race all in the same night. And the only one in the building on them things. So, yeah. I mean, we'll run them if we think they'll be fast. And we, especially up in Oklahoma at Cootie Creek, those were really fast, really fast tires. Every time good on like a sandy were, track. We had run those way before, you know, Maxis on a sandy, dusty track. Definitely, anytime we could on an open tire rule. We uh, we started out on the Maxis stuff. That's what a lot of the guys <clears throat> around here local run is all Maxis tires. The Mississippi series is what got us hooked on the Hoosiers and uh, ran those for quite a while with a lot of success. Uh, another thing, the, uh, a lot of the guys around here run the uh, the Hoosier D30s. 
I don't think we've ever ran them. We've never run them, no. uh, but there are a bunch of guys uh, around here that like to rely on that tire. Being that they run a little bit more of the higher horsepower stuff around here, that seems to be their go-to, even though we've proved to them time and time again that the Maxxis tire is, you know, it's a really fast tire, most likely going to be the faster, faster tire. Right. So how... So you're so bees, which by the way, bees Beasley. If you ever want to have a soft porn, uh, you know, I mean, you can you can definitely. That's the name you want to use. I was kind of joking around with you before about that, but uh, anyway, so you have a look. <laughs> some kind of uh, some royalties <laughs> off of this. That's my name. Yeah, yeah, it'll be, yeah, it'll be in the credit one day. Bees Beasley, the intro to somebody's. Uh, it all starts. In, it all starts in a race shop, right? <laughs> Um, all right, so you have you have a Luke McGee or McGee racing engine I had on B. So how yeah. um and you know, like I said, I mean I, I I really liked the guy when I first you know talked to him and I'm hoping to get to the big O this year to really like introduce and and just hang out with him for a little bit. But how you know, how did you guys get hooked up with him? And um I know you run his go-kart or you have before, I know you do a little bit here and there, but um so how did that kind of that relationship start? Funny story. So before we even got into connection and where I was running his motors, before we knew Luke McGee, before we even know who Luke McGee was, before we knew McGee engines or anything, uh, we were running that indoor track, Carthage, Missouri, the barn, and uh, we showed up there and we we rolled up again, budget racers, every everywhere we rolled up and everyone knew us for it was a little mini Nissan pickup that we loaded. Enough shit in there that it could load up a small enclosed trailer. Like you could fill a six by twelve with what the what we put in the bed of this mini truck. Mini truck Nissan, and it had two go karts, spare tires for both carts, canopies, stands, a spare motor, gears, uh, compressor, gears. You know, we uh, enough shit to put in. A- <laughs> so, anyways, so we show up to this track, we unload our stuff. And lo and behold, again, we don't know it's Luke, but Luke pulls up next to us, and he gets out, and he's by himself. And he's got his go-kart in the back of a pickup that's not too low to the ground. It ain't lifted, but it ain't low to the ground. And he's got his go-kart on a stand in the back of a truck with all of his shit. They're ready to push into the building. Well, us being nice guys, well, what we thought were nice guys, they were like, hey, man, I'll help you out. We'll help unload this. Well, as they're loading it, they dumped everything on the, the cart floor, caught right? on the stand as we were carrying it out and they pulled the cart we're looking at all this money just laid out on this <laughs> again he's by himself and he's looking at us like uh, <laughs> we told him to come to our pit anytime that night we'll we him up prep. prep on tires never seen the guy never seen the guy yep. not even once <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, so later on, we ended up running uh, Twister Alley, which is Butterfield, Missouri, which around here, if you're going to run for competition, that's that's, that's where you go to go run against competition and a good clean track. Shout out to Twister up there and uh, all those guys running up there. Um, but we started running up there a lot in the clone stuff, started making a name for ourselves. And uh, we dabbled with the stock appearing stuff here and there. But when we were building motors, when he was building the motors, it does, wasn't nothing too extravagant. We didn't have big machine shop to do anything. We, you know, we're just doing what we could, you know, little thing, little tricks that we knew from the flathead days. Uh, so, again, got a little bit of a name for ourselves. And our buddy, Robert Purchase, uh, who's friends with Luke, got a hold of Luke and was telling him about us. 
And uh, Luke was uh, at the time looking for someone to put a stock appearing motor on to kind of get his name out there, let people know that, hey, I'm building motors and this is the type of motor I'm putting out there. So he ended up getting a hold of me. I show up at the track. I bring my go-kart and I don't know what, I, what to expect. I don't know how much horsepower this thing's got. I don't know what to expect at all. So, you know, I prep tires and everything as I normally would for the clone. Uh, we get to the track and uh, again, no motor on this thing or anything. We bolt on his, his motor out the track, his clutch, his everything. And uh, we go out there and I ended up running, I probably I, most likely won the heat and finished second in the, and I did finish second in the feature in the first night. And then after that, I uh, ended up winning the race. I had a little bit more of an idea of what we had going on and understood how much horsepower he was actually putting out there, which is astronomical. The dude could build a motor. Yeah. Um, so we went out there and I won, ended up winning that next week. And then after that, he started coming around and helping me with the motor and getting everything. So I was doing tires. He was focusing on motor. Turned out to be a really good team. And we ended up. I mean, shit, we won a whole bunch of races after that. I mean, then he brought his go-kart. It was his own um, Ultramax at the time. He brought a 13 Ultramax, his motor, his go-kart. Uh, I just did all the tire work. And pretty much everything that we ran, we won. Um, we had a few instances where we were leading two big races. One race, we were leading it and uh, broke, a, break, broke a crankshaft. Uh, um, same track, running another big race. We ended up uh, running out of fuel. And then we were running another big race at Arcoma Speedway, which was a, it's a fifth mile. At the time, it was a fifth mile. So. Um, really high speed, really high grip um, track that we were running that stock appearing on. The, which, mind you, the stock appearings, the go-karts were running faster times than the micros on that same track. Pretty much running pretty similar, actually. We were running 10.5s, and the micros were running around that same thing. Right. Um, but went out there, ran out of fuel on one of their big races. Uh, learned learned a lot from that. We started searching and getting bigger fuel tanks and these things, and uh, we got a lot of success, man. We had a uh, you know a few nights where we had a few issues. Like that night, we ran out of fuel in the stock appearing race. We started in the back in the open race. Uh, just just ran the feature. Started in the back. Ended up winning that one, and then uh, continued on. We won the the big races up there at Twister. We won won both of those the same night. Um, their stock appearing Sizzler. And the 25 lap uh, stock appearing race, we won that one. Um, so we had a lot of success. And then uh, this Maxis deal was just the kind of first time we've ever even even attempted anything like that, as far as and then really mean anything as far as the Maxis stuff, uh, other than Mississippi. I gotcha. <clears throat> and so, David, um, when he is racing for Luke and stuff, are you also racing in the heavy classes? Are you just going to help him a little bit? Most um, of the, the he's in the McGee cart. I I'll end up taking my cart along mm -hmm. and uh, end up running either clone or stock appearing. Just depends on what I want to throw on for that night. Actually, yes. one I won that stock appearing. I won that stock appearing feature in the big uh, one of the bigger races. He actually finished second to me. And a motor he built with a McGee, uh, I believe, head and carburetor. McGee, uh, it was a head and cam. Head and cam combination. Yeah. So, um, you know, he has. All right. So, so Luke McGee. So that's a good transition to go to, um, you know, go to more like the sprint car racing. So how, how did you guys get from go-karts to sprint cars? And what kind of sprint cars are you guys running for people listening? Some of the guys that we ran go-karts with down in the Van Buren area, 
they were making the transition from go-karts into the mini sprints. Because of the track, Arcoma Speedway, which is a very nice facility. Uh, they're in the process of re renovating it right now, but they, all them guys moved from go-karts to micro sprints. And <laughs> we were going down there hanging out with them and they offered to let us drive them one day. So me and him jumped out there. They knew what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> I think you had the wing and I had the one with the wings on it. We went out there, ran a couple laps, kind of got close to each other a couple of times, had some fun, kind of feeling them out and seeing what they were about. And uh, from that point, we were pretty much hooked and had I mean, to try to come up with some cars. You run the exact same track in a micro sprint, you know, 600 cc, something you're throwing sideways on the same track you just ran a go kart uh, on. You know, the weekend before a go kart on, which you're hauling ass to the corner. You got to hold your neck up. And if you're running any more than 10, 15 laps, your head starts falling over, going through the mm -hmm. corner. And then you jump into this thing. And your vision gets blurry going down the straightaway because how how much power you got and how crazy it is and it's just you, you can't there's no comparison to racing a micro compared to racing a go kart. I mean, the stuff we were doing down here every once in a while you can race side by side, especially we would do it as much as possible. But in the micro, it's you know you do it as much you do it all the time and until once you pass somebody on the outside sideways, even leaned up against the cushion or not, mm. it's you want to go it's out there and do it again. You know, especially the open wheels. I mean, you have the open wheels where, you know, these, these guys out here in the go-karts, a lot of these tracks will mandate a full bumper, cover up that rear tire, make it to where people aren't hopping on. But, you know, all in all, that's it makes for better drivers when that's an option. When that tire is open, it makes for a better driver not to just run in there and start slamming people. So the open wheel is just a, it's a lot better discipline. Way funner. Yeah, sure. And so... So I don't really know much about the sprint car stuff, man. So educate me a little bit. Um, so what is the difference between like the cars that run at like the Tulsa shootout? That's more of a midget, correct? Well, so Tulsa shootout, Tulsa shootout is what we run. That's the micro sprint, which is a 600 CC. Um, and it's just a little bit smaller chassis than the midget that will run at Chili Bowl. Uh, the Tulsa shootout is a week before the Chili Bowl. And again, it's just the micro sprint. Put a wing on them. You can take the wing off them. The midgets, they typically just run wingless all the time. Okay. They have a four-cylinder car engine. We've got a four-cylinder motorcycle engine. They run Ford, Chevy, Dodge. Well, I mean, mainly it's now Chevy and Toyota and a little bit of Dodge. I think McGee runs a Dodge. And uh, micro sprints, it's all Honda, Yamaha, Suzuki, um, you know, all stuff like that. Just 600cc and... There's a stock class, basically similar to the clone class, and then there's the open class, basically kind of like the UAS stuff or outlaw, just kind of run what you're brung. There's a little bit of limitations there as far as what you can do, but not much. Right. And, uh, so you know, we run, and we'll run the we'll run the wingless stuff continuously until somebody puts us in a car and says, "No, you're running with the wing on it." <laughs> we'll run the wingless stuff just because, again. You go from you can get in that micro sprint, run wingless, and then have a ton of fun, and then put on that wing, and it's basically just like going back and driving a go kart. Again, not that go kart's Stop. not fun, but it's just there's no it, you, they're fighting, but it just doesn't feel like it when you're driving. It just it's almost like a tight go kart. You're really fighting the wheel to get in, and that that may have just been a bad setup on a car I was driving at the time. But it just it's not as fun as a uh, out of control. Um, you know, non-wing car, you know, like like what we all always say now, uh, wings are for butterflies, not for, <laughs> not for race cars. <laughs> uh, um, so, all right, so we've reached the sprint car 
uh, part of your guys' careers and stuff like that. I mean, what? So you guys have raced a bunch of different things. I mean, back from you've been definitely raced or been involved in you know drag cars, go karts, micros, um, all kinds of stuff. You built you know cars and all kinds of stuff. Like what? Where would you like to see yourself in say five years? Um, like not only as a business but also as like racing and stuff goes. Um, like, do you both want to be racing? I mean, do you definitely both continue uh, like kind of foresee yourself? continuing to race in the future and like just having a one car team and sharing it like how do you guys like moving forward i guess i don't know any thoughts on that so we're going to continue to race for as long as we possibly can that I, that's inevitable we're we're so driven and want to do it so much and it's there's no stopping um i'd like to get into a midget at some point i want to run the chili bowl i think that'd be really cool to uh put that on my resume that I've at least been there, attended it and attempted to try to make the feature for it. Um, I'll probably end up in some sort of a, a full size car at some point. Don't know what exactly it'll end up being, but I'll probably get to a full size cage or something a little safer. Definitely going to have to, you know, the main thing is we're getting older regardless. We started super late into this whole dirt racing thing and, uh, a micro is not going to be nice all the time. I know. It's going to be Our very first race in the micro was at the Tulsa shootout in 2019. And I rolled my car um, right off the bat in the first heat race. And this was the <laughs> very first race, racing ever. side by side, very first time ever in the car with racing other with other people. I, I got to drive it a couple times, you know, by myself and whatnot, but nothing, you know, nothing too crazy. So uh, everything went good and hot laps and all that. And then the heat race first couple restart or first starts were great and then uh, ended up ended up having a guy spin out in front of me and ended up just hitting him and rolling the car but we are we are getting older and the micro will eventually it could possibly hurt us so i'm wanting to move into uh, a late model or a, um, a modified the main goal here is one of the reasons why i bugged you to get onto this is main thing get a name for myself because you know trying to drive it's easier for me to be able to drive for somebody because again i'm a budget racer uh, all the help that we can get to help us be able to do this. And um, as far as business side of racing is we're going to do whatever it takes. Like, you know, whether we got to design and build a micro chassis or design and build a go-kart chassis, that's what we're going to do. That's what we're doing. We're, uh, we're going to continue to do that. And if it gets to somewhere cool, if not, we're going to continue to race and we'll can, you know, we'll continue trying other things and continue to progress. Um, you know, but, it doesn't matter if as long as I'm racing, honestly. I'll, I won't want to, but I'll race a little four-banger front-wheel drive <laughs> if I have to. Yeah. <laughs> or a, or a modified or some, something similar to that. You know, do that big car I think it'd be pretty fun. Yeah. I mean, it's, and we were talking a little bit off, you know, before we started recording again about, um, I mean, just kind of like how you guys have moved from – from one division to the next, you know, from, from drag racing to, you know, even mess with asphalt late model for your boss, David, and then go-karts to micros. I mean, every step along the way, you guys have kind of like dove into it and really learned it. And I, you know, like, as I was saying earlier, it's kind of like you, you developed the skills that have probably increased, you know I mean? As opposed to going, you know, I don't know. I mean, I never went, uh, never really thought like college is like a great deal because you don't really get a lot of experience. You know, I mean, you guys have like actually gained experience in um, a lot of different levels and aspects of racing itself. And I think that it definitely opens up the options for you guys moving forward, whether it be 
for work or for racing or whatever. And um, right. so I, I don't know, I mean, I think more and more people think that there has to be some payback like immediate where I think more people should really dive in and just kind of like let the process kind of like play itself out. You know what I mean? I mean, honestly, we, we have to do, we have to, we have to learn and we have to learn quickly because again, we are getting older. So we, everything we do is try to learn it and learn it. The micro sprint, the second we got my car, I mean, this, the story going to Tulsa shootout was an absolute mess. <laughs> the first time we ever did that. I mean, I got involved in a ride and he decided he wanted to go. So he bought a car that night, but anyways, we, <laughs> We tore it. <laughs> in four days, we tried two different chassis and had it running and at the shootout. It was... But we tore these completely apart, down to nothing. So we had a complete car, tore down to nothing, and got to build another one before we went to the Tulsa shootout. And this is all within a day or two. You know, just like it was days. all... We started Christmas Eve and then worked Christmas Eve, most of the day, Christmas Day. And then we were testing. On the I, I got to test the car that I was going to drive. I got on the 26th to the 27th, we were testing yours and mine. Dude hit me up and said, hey, I want you to drive my car. So, obviously, we need to go do some testing. So, we're testing. And I'm talking to him. Yeah, the car looks good. You know, man, felt good. I think I'm gonna, I'm ready, man. I am think I'm going to run the Nongling stuff. And he's like, well, I'm going to buy a car. <laughs> it's like, you know, okay. So, we get, on the, we get on the horn, get on Facebook, and we happen to find one down the road. So, we, he went home an hour down the road, got the money, came back, bought the car. We tore the car apart. Again, we tore these things apart, so we learned about them. And, mm-hmm. you know, we that figured out mean, what we needed to do and figured out what what they're about we so put that we that can car, make adjustments on We put that car together, tested it the next day, and then realized that it was okay. a little too bent. It had been in a crash at the shootout a few years before. And they had tried to repair it, but it wasn't. Yeah, we're budget racers. <laughs> wasn't in the greatest of shape. So we we ditched that chassis. I already had a chassis sitting at the house, so we put that one up on the table. Took between the two cars that I owned, made one complete car, tested it, and then made our run of the shootout. Right. And when I, I say I made, when we did this, when we rebuilt this car, it's not like we did this in a shop. We didn't have a real <laughs> nice shop, you know, air conditioned lifts, you know. <clears throat> We had a 20 by 20 shed in the back of our parents' place that we turned into. We, we insulated shop. it and we put benches up and called it a shop. But we rebuilt these cars. <laughs> and then, you know, we're, again, we were able to rebuild them, learn about them, and figure it out before we went up there to do that. I think I made 15 laps total for the week. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty bad we spent all that money on that. Uh, hey, man, it was all about the experience, right? That's right. Yeah, but, you know, my car, when we bought my car, it was a complete roller. And uh, after, you know, buying it, you're, you know, we were just excited to have the car. We didn't really do a whole lot of looking into it and get it back. And we found cracks and we found things that were bent and tubes that were smashed completely flat. So that gave us the opportunity to go ahead. And because, again, the, the metal's metal. You can weld it. You can cut it. It's all the same between that, the go-karts and anything else. Metal's metal. We can cut it up and replace it and all that so, fabricators. so we learned uh, so we figured all that out and started replacing stuff getting comfortable with cutting and replacing bars on the micro and uh you know started making the improvements and now the cars again when we went up to the 2020 Tulsa shootout with his car that he's redone and the car that i've redone his is a 2004 off-brand mine's a 2004 factor one and we got out there and i mean we were competitive and we got old worn out 2006 hondas that you know that we bought used that the guy was like here 300 bucks you can have them 
Mine had so, rust on two of the valves whenever we first fired it up. You you pass a car with the you know a ten fifteen thousand dollar motor, you make it feel a little better about yourself. <laughs> so what? So like right now we're like roughly about the middle of July. Um, like, what do you guys have planned for the second half of 2020? Um, and I mean, and we're assuming that we can race and we're allowed to race and stuff like that. I'm not sure what you guys are going through out there. Uh, right well, now, they're racing's pretty. I mean, they're they're racing out here. I mean, it's not a big deal. But um, so uh, so anyway, what do you guys have planned for uh, for each of you going forward for the rest of this year? everybody's pretty much racing around here that's pretty much normal um i mean it, out here northwest arkansas everything's pretty normal there's a couple of places here in fayetteville arkansas where uh <clears throat> the razorbacks are they're trying they're trying to mandate masks but we went into fayetteville the day and everybody that was there not one of them was wearing one so you know <laughs> it's not that big of a deal but 2020 being such a shit show that it's been uh we've done the little racing that we did I, we did the 2020 shootout which was in january and then we just did this Maxis deal. Um, but really just, it's now to the point where I'm ready to just, we're getting ready for the next Tulsa shootout. Again, we're, we are designing and trying to build a couple of micro chassis and we want that done before the Tulsa shootout. So we can debut them there and just kind of do, you know, do something there with our stuff, our own stuff. And uh, we are going to design and build a go-kart chassis. And that's something I'm going to kind of mess around with now that I kind of have an idea with the, uh, the Max's deal, um, you know, you go out there and run one time and get your ass kicked. It kind of gives you a little, nice little fire under your ass and want to go out there and do better. And I think that's one thing I'll always do. I'll always go-kart race. There's always going to be uh, a go-kart to be able to go run, to be able especially to go do the Max's stuff. Once you experience that one time, it's a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. But that's definitely what I plan on doing for the rest of 2020 is just doing as, you know, doing as much racing as we can. Like, we're going to go test the micros uh, this next Thursday up at Port City Raceway. We're going to go up there and test them. And as long as everything goes good, the next weekend we can, we will be racing those. Um, but then we're going to be back to focusing on the rest of the season, on trying to get some chassis built and done, and actually being able to get some uh, motors on them and get them to go race. And then uh, hopefully by next year, we can have some cars and have some experience and go do some indoor stuff with the go-kart and try to figure all that out and get that started. Because hopefully, you know, that, hopefully with that, we won't, you know, we'll hit something, get somewhere, and be able to fund our own mod program or late model program or whatever we got to do. Ideally, yeah, that's the really the absolute <laughs> ideal deal. <laughs> and drive or and or drive for somebody. I mean, right, can't beat that. It has its ups and downs. I got you. Well, oh. good deal, man. I'm actually sorry. I was just looking at my little outline I have here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're kind of getting to the end here, but um, I'd say, first of all, this is not sponsored by Crown Royale, but I think we're all enjoying Crown Royale. Uh, I mean, I think that I think for a cheers to you guys uh, in Arkansas right now. Mm-hmm. You guys cheers. listen to the, the last podcast. Uh, I think Eric Voss is definitely a fan of uh, Crown Royale as well. Yeah, right. uh, yeah so... um. So I don't know, man. So what else is uh? So what are you guys up to like during the week and stuff? Like, what are you guys doing for um? You guys, I mean, RTN. Like, what is that? Uh, what are you guys doing now? Like daily, day to day, as far as work is. RTN is all after the nine to five. We work. Uh, we both work for a, a heat and air and a plumbing company. Um, okay. We work 
you know, we're constantly doing that as much as possible. Plus, uh, the owner of that, he he owns a late model, a dirt late model program. Mm-hmm. So we help that. We're actually that's what we're getting ready to do. We'll be loading that car up and be going out and do some testing with that as soon as possible too. And that again helps us with helps us with our program when we can go out there and and help them with that. You know, help their late model program. Learn that what they're doing with shocks, what they're doing with the setup, uh, what they're doing with their grip. Uh, you know, what they're doing with their tires as far as siping and all the treading that they're doing, the cutting, learning everything that we can basically and applying it to our own. But, um, yeah, just work work during the week. And when we get off at work, we're typically at the shop, uh, at the RTN shop. And, like, we just we just got done doing a international scout. I don't know what the year was. 70. It was a first gen. It was a first gen international scout and came in and was just beat up. A buddy of ours wanted to have uh, you know straight body. He's putting it on a Jeep chassis, going to have a kind of a retro thing going on. So um, we went through and did all the body work to it, got it in primer, ready for paint. We'll end up painting it and doing a lot of the the custom work to the Jeep chassis, getting it ready. And then he actually went and bought a Pontiac Firebird that we'll be putting on a newer generation Camaro ch- uh, chassis. So we got some cool projects coming around. It's, we keep ourselves busy. We're always doing something, man. And it's uh, if we're not racing, we're supporting racing in some way. There's multiple times where we've worked the infield at go kart tracks, or uh, we ran the we ran the infield at Arcoma Speedway uh, for for a long time for a few of the now 600 races up there. Uh, first time I've ever got to use a fire extinguisher <laughs> and save a dude on fire and got to put him out. This is a pretty crazy dude, especially in the heat of the moment. It's crazy the things you can do and the things you're willing to do and the things you think about. But yeah, man, he caught dudes on fire, put him out. And then obviously, whenever we're not uh, working in the shop or working at home, we're on iRacing, doing that as much as possible, trying to yeah. trying to get good at that. You know. Yeah, and then and that's uh that's becoming bigger and bigger. And like you guys said, once um especially for different parts of the country. Once winter hits, it'll become a little more popular. People are kind of inside a little bit more and stuff like that. So um, about it now. I mean, it was on, it was on major TV networks uh, because the whole COVID thing and you know, because you get on it on a normal day and there's about five, maybe what, like 6,000 people on it. It'll tell you how many people are online anytime you get online. And then during that whole COVID spike, there was 15 to 20,000 people online on a daily basis uh, there for a long time. So there's a lot more people that know about iRacing and kind of have an idea of what it is and how realistic it is and how much you can learn from it. I mean, yes, it is a simulator, essentially a video game, but uh, I mean, it gives you, it, it helps you out. It gives you an idea. You don't get any practice on the Chili Bowl track. You get to run there once a year, whether it's the shootout or the Chili Bowl. And right. we here and we get to get some time on that track i mean you're going to get familiar with it i mean you're going to get a little bit of you're going to get a little bit of help from it I mean, you got to be yes there's a midget on here we're racing micros but there's got to be still something, to find the something apex and figure out how to negotiate the track and all that kind of stuff so, so yeah i believe winter time come around you'll see a lot more people jumping on and doing some racing there'll be a lot more series because i mean you can race for money on this it's just a matter of finding it and then getting good enough to where you get invited to stuff like that all right well good deal man um so people listening where can they find you guys on the internet or facebook where's the best place to contact both of you or 
uh, yes, RTN, all of it. Yeah, we got RTN racing. And we got RTN racing. There's kind of a mix up. There's kind of two RTN racing page floating around, but you know how Facebook is. You can delete your page all day long and it's still going to, however, right. pops back up. So we got two RTN racing page. One's kind of like a personal page and one's a business page. Uh, the business okay. page that's supposed to be active. That's the best way. Uh, and that and that right there, you can get on there and kind of see all of our old racing, see what we got going on. You can check out everything we had uh, for this last Tulsa shootout. We did a did a few interviews of um, you know amongst ourselves. Uh, we both have Instagram. You can find me on Instagram at uh, Bees Beasley, and I think what your Bees knees, B E A Z E knees, yeah, Bees knees, yeah. Um, and I mean, eventually we we planned, we talked about it way before you know the podcast, and way before you see all this. You know, you, these guys that do the hunt up front stuff, we talked about doing stuff like that, trying to filming film what we got going on because we do so much there at the shop between the go karts the micros, all the work that we do to them because we are the Mm -hmm. ones who do everything. We don't have uncles coming in and doing everything for us or we're not sending this off or sending that off. We do everything in-house. So we have a bunch of content. So eventually we will have a YouTube channel up and, um, you know, just kind of showing everybody what we got going on and what we do. It's just a matter of getting it done. We talk about it all the time, but we just haven't got it done yet. But eventually we will. Yeah. I mean, just let me know and I'll be more than happy to share it on the page. And, um, you know, I like again, man. Anyone listening to you know early on and stuff, I think that um, if you can uh, send me a picture of that gun that you guys did, yeah, I mean, something like that. I mean, I don't know if you guys are into stuff like that, man. But um, I think if you know, I'll post it for you guys and like stuff yeah. like that. I think it would be cool for like a Christmas present or a birthday present or it, like a like you said, even a trophy, something like that. And um, you know, I'd be more than happy to share it on my page and um. And uh, you know, I'm, like stuff like that, I think is really cool. I think some people will think it's it's pretty cool, and maybe you guys can uh, you know help out your program with that as well. Doing different like metal art type deals, it, yeah. it gives you a chance to approach things from a different perspective and try something different out of the box. And plus, we get the we get we get things that we didn't normally or aren't able necessarily to afford. Again, it goes back to the micro. We bought 2004 chassis, and we're in 2020, and we're still able to go and and compete with these guys. But that's because we were able to go through and update the cars. We were able to go and look at what all these new cars have and build and design. Like, again, we built all the brackets on uh, all the new things that we did. We, we, moved, we were able to cut and refab all the tubes to move the rear ends farther forward into the chassis like all the newer cars were so we can get the forward drive that everyone else has. And, um, you know, my, my iRacing rig, I have a three-screen rig. I normally, you know, you get online to start looking at stuff like that. They're a thousand, you know, you look at a good one, they're about $5,000. So I just built my own and you get on there and uh, you start looking for stuff like that, sim rigs, and they're built pretty much for the same person. And I'm a pretty tall guy. I'm, you know, I'm six, four. So everything that I did, I had to build it adjustable so I can get it to where it was comfortable for me. Cause otherwise there ain't no point in doing it. If you're going to be sitting in it for any kind of time. I mean, you get on race, I race and you get lost for Couple hours, three, four, easy. <laughs> couple hours, you know. <laughs> so I was able to build it myself and you know fabricate and design. And again, you know that's what we're going to move to and do with the go karts, just because uh, we kind of know, have an idea of what we're looking for now. Cheers to that, gentlemen. Um, look, man, I appreciate you guys making time. Um, I hope this video turns out pretty good. I hope that um, you know. Interview. I hope it works out, man. Yeah, man, definitely. I think that um, you know, like I tell everyone, just uh, you know, depending on how things go, like hopefully this will be around for a while. But um, this definitely doesn't have to be the last time you guys are on. You know, um, 
I'm yeah, hoping once I get to like 50 or 60, like hopefully we can go back and do like some shorter stuff and kind of like revisit some people and see what's going on and updates and stuff like that. So, um, if you, you know, so uh, I appreciate that. And, um, you know, here's to brothers, man. Yeah, cheers yeah, to you guys. Yeah, cheers, cheers to you guys. Yeah, yeah, man. For bringing us on. I mean, again, you know, I, I bugged you a little bit to get on here and, just, but hey, that's all these other guys know that you know you can get on the show and you can uh, help this guy out, help Zero Analytics get their name out. And hopefully, a lot of these micro guys can. Hopefully, someone get someone else gets a hold of you and wants to get on the show and help you out, man. No, absolutely, man. Well, I appreciate it, and I'm sure everyone else will. So, I uh, appreciate it, guys. Take care. Have a good Bye. night, on, brother. Have a good night. Uh... Yeah, hey, man, I don't know, but if you just like what you just heard, do me a favor. Just put that some bitch like button on Facebook. Uh, tell your friend, download it, subscribe on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, whatever the goddamn place you listen to podcasts. Tell your tie washer, your boogie pusher, your engine builder, your I don't give a goddamn. Tell them. Thank you, people. I love you all.